Hallelujah. Father, we thank you that you are a good God. Lord, I thank you that you are in this place. I thank you that this is the house of God, uh, and Jesus is the Lord of this house, and we are your servants. And so, Lord, I thank you uh, for your presence here, and I ask that you would please just do your thing. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. <clears throat> I don't know why every time I come up to preach, there's always something wrong with my throat. Last time it was a cold. A year ago it was covid uh, today I was singing, and I was just so moved, and I took it up to a higher note, and I just, my throat just started to hurt, and then I started to pull back. I'm like, I got to save my voice to preach, but then I thought, no, just worship God, and I said, okay, and this, what, this happened to me, and so, so please bear with me as I sound really weird this morning. <clears throat> Anyways, um, yeah, I'm stoked to be here. Uh, yeah, uh, I don't know if any of you guys heard, but uh, I found out the sex of my grandson. My grandson is going to be a boy. Because <laughs> sometimes that's not the case. Just kidding, it's always the case. All right. Uh, yeah, so it's going to be a boy. I can't believe I am a grandfather. That is so weird but I embrace it. I embrace being a grandparent because grandfathers can say whatever they want and not care about it. So I, anyways, <clears throat> please turn uh, with me in your, if, if you even have your Bibles, to the book of Habakkuk, chapter three, verse two. Uh, I'm going to be continuing what I started a month ago. I don't know if you guys, <laughs> uh, I'm gonna uh, talk about uh, revival and we're going to read the same scripture that I read last month. This is, we're going to do a monthly series and uh, see how it goes until uh, they tell me to preach on something else. All right. Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 2. If, uh, this scripture, can I tell you, I've been meditating on this same scripture for the past two months. Just ever since I've been studying on revival, this, I love this scripture. Uh, let's read it. It says, Lord, I've heard of your fame I stand in awe of your deeds. Lord, repeat them in our day. In our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds. Lord, repeat them in our day. In our time, make them known. This is Habakkuk. And he is longing for a move of God that he has never experienced. He is longing for a move of God and to see miracles of God. He has never known personally or seen personally. He has only heard of the old stories that have been told to them to him or that he has read uh, in, in, in the, the scriptures that he had. He, he never have experienced them before. He just knew that God used to do stuff. And he's saying, God, there is part of you that I've never experienced that I don't know, but I want. He is hungry for something he's never had. Now, we, most of the time, I don't know if you guys have ever been hungry for anything you've never had. Like, most of the time, we're hungry for stuff that we've had, Right? Like yesterday, uh, I was craving uh, breakfast burritos because I've had breakfast burritos. 
In fact, the first place and the first, the best breakfast burrito I ever had was years ago when I was traveling in ministry and we were driving through Texas and we stopped at this gas station to get gas. And inside of this Texas gas station, they were selling breakfast, fresh breakfast burritos. And I'll always remember because it was like 5 a.m. and it was dark and they had these breakfast burritos ready and I bought a breakfast burrito. I got back in the van and we took off and our whole team actually had breakfast burritos and it, it was chorizo and egg and potato and cheese. That's it. Have anyone ever had this? Yeah. Oh, my. It was so good. I'm like, oh. And then yesterday morning, I, the neighborhood that I live in is a Mexican neighborhood. All our neighbors are Mexican. Yesterday morning, I smelt breakfast burritos. I'm like, I, des- I want that. I want that same one like it was in Texas. So I went out and I, bought, I told my wife, we're having breakfast burritos for dinner. I went out, I bought all the bread, and we had it, and it was not quite as good as the ones in Texas, but it was good. But I was hungry. I was hungry for something that I've, already, I've had. But Habakkuk here, he is hungry for something he has never yet experienced. He desired something he has, had never had, and he prays it. He says, I stand in awe of your deeds. I've heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds. These deeds that I've read about but I've never had. Lord, repeat them in our day, in our time. Let them be known. God, do it again. I want this that I've heard of. Can I tell you that my experience of God and Christianity, what I've known, and I'm older. I used to be younger, but now I'm almost 50, I'm older, I've experienced a lot of church, I've been in all types of churches all over the world, I preach everywhere, but I know that there is a move of God that I have, there's moves of God that I've experienced that I've known, but I know there's something I've never experienced before, and I long for it, I want it, I pray for it. I want more of God, not just for me. Yes, for me, but not just for, I want more of God for everybody. I want to see, mm, I have no words. I just have noises. I'm not going to do my noises. I have a hard time sometimes recalling words. I don't know why. I don't know what's wrong with me. I have a hard time memorizing names and recalling certain words. Perfect for a preacher. But I embrace I embrace my weaknesses because God is strong. Do it again. There is there are things of God that you've never experienced before. They're legitimately of God, but you've never seen. And for some of you, when you begin to see it, you're going to think, that's strange. You will. You're going to think, is that God? Just because we've never experienced it in the Christianity that we have grown up with doesn't mean it doesn't exist and doesn't mean that it is not of God. So many times we're like, that's not the way I grew up. That's not how I grew up. Well, God wants to do something new. He wants to give you something different than what you grew up with. I'm not talking about different theology. No, 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 no. I'm not talking about different, well, you know, we don't believe in the Trinity. No, that's weird. 
If I ever start preaching that stuff, don't invite me back. I'm not talking about different, I'm talking about different experiences. There's experiences of God that we have yet to walk into. There are moves of God that we have yet to experience. And I really believe that God is going to get us there, but he has to prepare us sometimes for these things. Let me read some scriptures real quick to make this official. Well, I already read a scripture, so it's already official, but I'm going to do a lot of reading today, guys, okay? Because I, I, I could have memorized stuff, but I, don't want, I didn't want to. So I'm just going to read them to you. So please bear with my reading, okay? I'm going to read, like, not just scriptures. I'm going to read eyewitness accounts of some revivals. I'm telling you, I, did, I studied this. I, I went on Wikipedia. Oh, my gosh. Wikipedia is powerful sometimes. Right? I was, I was, literally, I was reading about the Azusa Street Revival on Wikipedia, and I'm, I'm, like, I'm, like, holding back the tears. Even though I was alone, I didn't want God to see me cry. That's a toxic masculinity. I'm just kidding. All right, let's read. John chapter 7, verse 37 says this. On the last day of the climax of the festival, on the, on the, the, the climax, the, the ultimate part of the, the, the last night of the retreat, the last message of the retreat, the last, the highest point, Jesus stood and he shouted to the crowds. How many of you guys know that when you shout, you really want people to hear what you're saying. Just ask my kids, and sometimes my wife. <laughs> I don't shout at my wife, I don't know, because I don't want to get beat. All right. No, just kidding. My wife does not beat me <laughs> with her hands. She uses her words. No, I'm just kidding. All right. Just kidding. My wife is lovely and beautiful, and I love her, just in case she's watching. Jesus stood and shouted. When you shout, you want people to know. Anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare, rivers of living water will flow from his heart. Rivers. When he said living water, he was speaking of the spirit who would be given to everyone believing in him. But the spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet entered into his glory. He's saying out of his, I like the, the King James Version says, out of his belly. I'm working on it. Out of his belly will flow rivers of living water. Now there's, there's the, well, there's the well of your salvation, and then there's rivers of living water. The well of your salvation is for you. It is you. You, you, you draw off. The rivers flows unto. It's the Holy Spirit to flow unto others, to bring life. Now let me read another scripture just to build a foundation, and then I'm going to read some Wikipedia things. Acts chapter 2, verse 1 through 4 says this, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. What were they doing there? They were praying. They were in the upper room. They were praying together. As of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them tongues, divided tongues as of fire. 
and one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And so that was people, a lot of people would say that was the day the church was born. It was born in an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So what is revival? Revival is when God pours out his Holy Spirit in a special way and brings life back to the church and it ultimately pours out into the streets. Because after in the book of Acts, when the Holy Spirit was first poured out, he was poured out in the upper room. But how many guys know it ended up in the streets? Like these guys started speaking in tongues in the upper room by themselves. Then somehow they ended up outside. I don't know how. But somehow they ended up outside. And then the people from all over heard them. And they're like, whoa, how do you know our language? Like he, they were speaking in these languages that weren't their own languages. And some of them were like, you guys are drunk. And Peter got up and said, we're not drunk as you suppose. We're just filled with the Holy Ghost. I didn't mean to rhyme. I do that sometimes. We're not really drunk. We're just filled. This is the infilling of the Holy Spirit. They were acting weird, for lack of a better word. They were acting drunk. Right? It started in, revival always, it starts in the church. It starts in the building. But a true revival leaves the building. It goes out of the, it's not just about the building. It goes out of the building into the community. Amen? That's why I always wear my regular clothes when I preach. Because who knows when we're going to end up in the streets. I don't want to be out there in a suit. They're like, what? Why is this guy wearing a suit? I want to blend in. Just kidding. That's not why. I just, I'm just comfy. All right. Anyways, guys. I'm... Last time I spoke, do you guys remember the revival that we talked about? We talked about several. We talked about John Wesley and, and George Whitfield, And then we talked about the Welsh revival that happened in Wales. You guys remember that one? With the donkeys that wouldn't move anymore because the miners stopped cussing. Remember those? They got saved. Like, we don't want to cuss anymore. And the donkeys wouldn't move because they're so used to the miners cussing. Everything changed. Were the, were, the, were the cops, you guys remember this? Where the cops had no, there's no more crime, so they, be, they became a choir. You guys, you guys remember this? No? I didn't even know what I preached about last time either. I, I went back last night to see, because I wanted to talk about Azusa. I'm like, did I talk about Azusa last time? And I, I don't think I did because I went back and I kind of went clip to clip. So we're going to talk about Azusa today. Did I talk about Azusa last time? We're going to talk about, I did? About William Seymour? Well, I'm going to talk about it again anyways because <laughs> that's what I have prepared. Did I read the Wikipedia stuff? Okay, we're going to go further. The Azusa Street Revival, William Seymour was a part a part of a certain denomination, I don't know if they were a denomination or a fellowship or a stream, called the holiness movement, meaning they were extra holy, meaning they believed in, uh, in different works of the Holy Spirit. The first works of the Holy Spirit was salvation. The second work of the Holy Spirit, they believed, was sanctification. Did I talk about that? No? Yes? Tell me if I'm repeating myself. All right. So they talk about sanctification. And then one day, William Seymour was in Bible school. Did I, did I talk about, about the, the Kansas Bible College? Who remembers the Topeka? And he was there, and he wasn't allowed because of segregation, and he sat outside the door. Did I talk about that? 
Okay. Anyways, he's at this Bible college. He's not allowed to go in because he's black. He's a black man living in segregation. But there was this guy there named Charles Parham. He ran the school. He said, all right, sit outside the door. I'll still teach you. I'm not allowed to let you in, but I'll still teach you. I would have let him in. But Charles Parham didn't let him in. So he sat there, and, and for the first time, they started teaching on the Baptist of the Holy Spirit. How they taught on this was Charles Parham went on a trip. He told his students, study the book of Acts and tell me what happens. And he gets back, and they're like, we started the book of Acts, and we see here that uh, they're getting filled with the Holy Spirit and praying in tongues. So that's what we want. Will you lay hands on us and pray so that we can pray in tongues? And Charles Parham goes, I don't even pray in tongues. I don't know what this is. So he started laying hands on certain people, and they started praying in tongues. And then this news got back somehow to L.A. and at, to this black church in L.A. And they're like, William Seymour, will you come preach to us? William Seymour was the son of slaves. He, when he was a child, he had smallpox. He had gotten vaccinated. He had smallpox. Just kidding. He had smallpox that caused him to go blind in one eye. He was a one-eyed black man. He went to preach in L.A. When he got to L.A., he preached this message of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He preached this message about tongues. And they were like, we don't like this. So they locked up the church and said, you can't come back. There is this one family in the church that said, you, we actually, we want more. We've never experienced this before. We've never heard about this before, but we're hungry for what we've never experienced. And so they, he, he, they said, you can come speak in our house. And so William Seymour went and spoke in the house. Our house was a house on Bonnie Bray Street, the famous house on Bonnie Bray Street, right? And so he began to teach this message. People from all over began to come to hear this message about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and about speaking in other tongues. They began to hear this message. They began to crowd the house. And let me tell you, it was mostly black people. There was other people, but it was mostly black people. The Azusa Street Revival started, and it's not taught much. It was a black revival. All right? And so they came, and the house filled up. One day, the house filled up so much that they, they began to meet outside on their balcony. And the balcony was over, like, this little hill, and the balcony broke, and everybody rolled down the hill. Did I talk about that last time? How they rolled, yeah? How they rolled down the hill. And so they said, we need another place. So they found this place that was used as horse stables on Azusa Street. They cleaned it up. It still had flies buzzing around because, you know, horses. They put hay. They put straw on the floor. They, it was very ragtag. They nailed together pews, and they began to teach. And everyone started to come, all the different races. There's something about a move of the Holy Spirit that brings unity. This was during the days of segregation, even in California. Like, oh, we're from California. We're not racist. No, this was, there was hardcore, I don't care, there was hardcore racism this time in L.A. And so, but all the races started coming. People would come, they get filled with the Holy Spirit. All they fall out and they land in the hay. All, they begin to speak in tongues for the first time. The presence of God was super strong. And, and it was crazy, it was crazy. Let me, so let me read some of the accounts that made me cry. All right. We're going to do some reading. By mid-May 1906, anywhere from 300 to 1,500 people would attempt to fit into the building. Since horses had very recently been the residence of 
the building, flies constantly bothered the attendees. People from, diverse, from a diversity of backgrounds came together to worship. Men, women, children, black, white, Asian, Native American, immigrants, rich, poor, illiterate, and educated. Everybody at that time came. People of all ages flocked to Los Angeles with both skepticism and a desire to participate. The intermingling of races and the group's encouragement of women in leadership was remarkable as 1906 was the height of the Jim Crow era of racial segregation and 14 years prior to women receiving suffrage in the United States. Let me tell you, when the Holy Spirit shows up, it's just God. And God brings his kingdom. And however his kingdom is, that's how the church is going to be. When the Holy Spirit is in the place, no matter how culture is, the culture of the church is heaven. Amen? And in heaven, there's no difference between, between white and black, Jew or Gentile, male or female. There's none of that. And so, so even in a time when it was like that in the world, in the church, it was future. Because the church is the future now. And it always should be, but many times to our shame, the church is not a future. It becomes a museum. Some churches, if you want to visit the 90s, you don't have to go to Blockbuster in Bend, Oregon. You guys know about that Blockbuster? The last block. You don't have to go, I want to revisit the 90s. They were, they were cool. I was there. I lived in the 90s, guys. Sometimes if you want to visit the 90s, just go to an old church. You'll step right into the 90s, singing songs from the 90s, wearing suits from the 90s, your double-breasted suits with your, the pants cuffed. That's how we did it in the 90s. Sometimes churches like, I mean, that's not the way we've always done it. Well, sometimes, you know what? We have to leave the way we've always done it and do it another way. That's a good place to say, oh, my. You can have church growth or you can have control, but you can't have both. I'm just going to. Not say anything for a second, say anything for a second. Just think about it. You can have church growth or you can have control, but you can't have both. All right, let's read on. What were the services and the worship services like? This is what they were like. Worship at 312 Azusa Street and freak was frequent and spontaneous with services going almost around the clock. Among those who attracted to the revival were not only members of the holiness movement, but also Baptists, Mennonites, Quakers, and Presbyterians. An observer at one of the services wrote these words, no instruments of music are used, none are needed, no choir. The angels have been heard by some in the spirit, meaning some of them actually begin to hear angels as they were worshiping. No collections were taken. We can't have that, right? No bills have been posted to advertise the meetings. No, no Instagram, like, hey, come to service. We're going to do a special series on singleness, you know? And there's nothing wrong with that, guys. But this just, you know, it was out of the norm. No church organization is, is, is to back it all. All who were in touch 
with God realize as soon as they enter the meeting that the Holy Ghost is the leader. So they would show up. Sometimes they would have no plan for service. They'd say, all right, let's just sing some songs. They'd sing songs, and William Seymour was the leader, so he'd go up, he'd read some scriptures, and then they would wait on the Lord, and they would wait for someone to get a message, and someone there in leadership would get the message, and I think I have the message. They'd show up. What a way to do church. They'd show up without even preparing for a message. That's why you prepare the messenger, and then he just, whoever it was, man or woman, would begin to preach, and the Holy Ghost would fall, and crazy things would happen. That's how they did it. I know it's so hard for some of you guys because sometimes we're just so organized. We have to have 20 minutes of worship. There's a countdown clock, so just ugh, look at the countdown clock. In five minutes, the countdown clock will turn red, so that means you better wrap it up. So produced. The Los Angeles Times was not so kind in its description. The media was the same back then, and it is the same today. Lies. I mean, some truths, but come on, guys. Come on. You still believe that stuff? Anyways. Here's what they wrote about the Azusa Street Revival. Gosh, I can't wait until one day they write about Ignite. I consider it a badge of honor. If, if they ever write a bad article about us, don't, oh my gosh, what are they? That means revival is happening, guys. Come on. They are not your friends. Meetings are, let me just read this. Meetings are held in a tumble-down shack on Azusa Street. And the devotees of the weird doctrine practice the most fanatical rites. They preach wild, wildest theories and work themselves into a state of mad excitement in their pe peculiar zeal. Colored people and a sprinkling of whites compose the congregation and night is made hideous in the neighborhood by the howlings of the worshipers who spend hours swaying forth and back in a nerve-wracking attitude of prayer and supplication. They claim to have the gift of tongues and be able to understand the babble. Proud. So that's, that was it. That was it. Gosh, I would love for them to say that about us here. Guys, we're not trying to... We're not here to be liked by everyone. We're not here to be like, hey, world, love us. We're the church and we're cool. Please love us, world. We're here to proclaim Jesus Christ crucified and raised from the dead. We're going to live for Jesus. And if the world doesn't like it, it doesn't have to like it. You ever wonder why Jesus always said this? Let him who has ears to hear, let him hear. Ever, ever, Jesus would preach to the crowd. He'd be like, who, let him who has ears, let him hear. Because he knew not everyone was going to believe. And he knew not everyone would accept him. And he knew not everyone would hear. So he, he was preaching to the remnant the whole time. He's like, if you can hear this, then hear this. Let's go. 
Jesus was not trying to be loved by everybody. He was not trying to be liked by the world. He was not trying to be, oh, I, we got a cool church. Our church is different. By different meaning our church is just like the world. I don't want a cool church with a hip pastor with cool tattoos. I don't want that. I want to go to a church that preaches the word of God where the Holy Spirit is moving. I want, a, I want a church that is an embassy of heaven on earth. That once you step in, you're in heaven. Anyways, that's what, that's what I like. I'm trying to go through the notes to see what to talk about and what not to. So out of this revival came the Pentecostal movement, the movement of which we are part of today. It, many denominations were born out of this black church in L.A. The Zuzu Street Revival was a, it happened in urban, what today is, I think, Little Tokyo, but back then it was a very, it was an urban inner city area where everyone would, would come to. In fact, many people would come to that revival. There, there would be people who were like, I don't know, hoity-toity preachers, pastors, dressed slick and nice. And they would go, I'm going to go and correct the revival. And they'd show up to correct William Seymour and the revival, and they would end up on the floor with the hair messed up. And they'd get up and they'd support William Seymour. And a lot of them had this testimony about William Seymour. They said he was the humblest guy that, we, that I've ever met. He was just this humble preacher with no malice in his heart. And when people would come against him, he didn't bite back. He was just very humble about it. And, and his humility, his humility and the move of the Holy Spirit changed their minds. So a lot of preachers, pastors would hear about this. They'd come to correct, and then they would get filled with the Holy Spirit, and then they would bring their churches. It spread like wildfire, and new denominations were born out of old denominations and uh, with this, this new doctrine, quote-unquote new doctrine. It was the uh, revelation of an old doctrine, and this message has spread across the world. If you are hungry for more and you want to learn more, I want to uh, suggest a book. There's a book out there by Jack Hayford called The Charismatic Century, 100 Years of Something, since, since the Zuzu Street Revival, by Jack Hayford. It's one of the best books I have read on this stuff. And, and, and it basically, it tells stories from 1906, from this revival, to 2006 of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and different movements of God from 1906 to 2006. And as you're reading these stories, Jack Hayford, one of the greatest living theologians, teaches you, the, you don't even realize you're learning theology. You just think you're reading awesome stories, but he's like putting theology inside of you. And so it's a great book. Check it out. I want to switch over to talk about another revival, and we're going to end with this revival. Uh, how, how many of you have heard of the Pyongyang Revival? Pyongyang, I don't even know if I'm pronouncing that right. You guys know the city of Pyongyang? It's the capital of North Korea. There was revival there in 
07, I believe, 1907. Revival in Pyongyang. Any Koreans in here? Raise your hand if you're Korean. Come, don't be ashamed. Be proud. I can tell by the hair. Any, <laughs> any other Koreans? Any other Koreans? Just kidding. I'm just playing, okay? Don't be, everybody's, don't be offended. Everyone's so easily offended these days. Everyone's like, oh my gosh. How dare you out me? What kind of Asian I am? How dare you ask me what kind? I dare, because I'm one. Okay. I'm part Korean. Did you know that? Like 0.01%. My brother took one of those tests. Turns out I'm half Vietnamese, half Chinese, and 0.1% Korean. I don't know where that came from. Any other Koreans? This is your heritage. This is our heritage because it wasn't just a Korean revival. It was a Christian revival. But let's talk about that real quick. In the, but let's, I want to talk about before. In the, 18, in the late 1800s, there was a missionary from Wales. In the late 1800s, I don't remember his name. I know all the names of the Azusa Street, but I just recently learned about this Korean revival, so I don't know, I don't remember the names and the dates. There was a missionary, he was actually a missionary to China, but he longed to go to Korea. So he went to Korea, but it was dangerous there because they cut off your head if you get caught. And on his second missionary trip, guess what? His head got cut off on the shores of a riverbank. But before his head got cut off, because what he did was he, couldn't, he, he would go there with, with gospel tracts, with scriptures written down. He'd give them to people. He got caught. So right before the executioner cut his head off, he took his gospel tracts and he gave it to the executioner. He said, these are for you. You may proceed. His head got cut off. The executioner became a Christian from reading the gospel tract. He'd share his testimony. He goes, I was the one that cut off the head, but now I am saved. Thank God for forgiveness. Come on. All right? That's why, you know, that's why the Bible does not say beat up those who persecute you. It doesn't say go on Instagram and out the people who persecute you, which I, a lot of Christian leaders have been doing lately that I respect sometimes. I respect them. They go out and they say, well, this person did this. Right? The Bible says pray for those who persecute you. The Bible says do not take vengeance. It says vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. It says do not repay evil with evil. Repay them with good. Anyways, so this guy gets saved. Uh, his 12-year-old nephew was there and witnessed the execution. That 12-year-old nephew eventually became a leader in the church. And the house that the executioner lived in, the 12-year-old eventually owned that house, and the first house church in Korea was born in that house. And back today, I don't even know, I don't think that house exists anymore, but back in the day, if you go into that house, those gospel tracts that, that were given to the executioner were pasted all over the walls. So that was the birth of the church in Korea, right outside of Pyongyang. Am I, saying, am I saying that right? Pyongyang. I don't know. I don't want to butcher it. So in Pyongyang, there were, there were, there were missionaries. Eventually, it, Korea became more open to missionaries, and there were, there were missionaries all over Korea. All right? And they, they started hearing about revival. In fact, they heard about the Welsh revival. There's something about 1904 to, to 1910. There were the, like outpourings all over. 
And I'm sure there are outpourings that we don't, aren't even written down, so we don't know about them. But they started to hear about the Welsh Revival. Remember I talked about that last week, Evan Roberts, the Welsh Revival, the donkeys. They heard about the donkeys. They heard about this revival in India. There was a revival in India, an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And so like, we want this. We've not yet experienced it. We don't know what it's like. We've heard of your works. We've heard of your fame. Do them in our time, in our day, in our country. Do them here. And so what they began to do was they began to wake up super early in the morning and pray for revival. And so the missionaries and the Koreans would wake up early in the morning every day at like 4 or 5 a.m., and they would pray. And they did this for six months every day. How do they know? If, you, if you're waking up that early, you really want it. What do you wake up for? Right? And some of you guys, I know you guys are at the gym like at 5. You, you're getting yours, aren't you? Well, these people were getting theirs. They wanted it. They, every morning, wake up, 4 a.m., 5 a.m., pray for six months. What are they praying for for six months? They're praying for a move of God. Well, there was this one white man. He was a medical missionary, and he went to do medical missions and to preach the gospel, and he wasn't doing a good job. Nobody was receiving his message, and he was mad. He was mad at Koreans. He was mad at the very Koreans he was trying to reach because he blamed them for not receiving his message. He was very mad. The church at this time, people in the church, this is in the church, people were jealous of one another in leadership positions. People hated each other. They stole from each other. This is inside the church. There's all sorts of sin, but yet they'd wake up every morning. That's, that's a good thing. So what happens was this man that came, I don't remember his name because I just learned about this one recently. This man, one day, he was just convicted by the Holy Spirit for his racism. He was racist against the Koreans. He was convicted, and he confessed in front of the church. He said, guys, I'm racist against you Koreans. Please forgive me. And from that, everyone started confessing their sins to one another. I'm jealous of you. I hate your guts. I stole money from you. Please forgive me. The people who stole money, they began to give the money back. Whatever, if, you, if they did something to someone, they would do something to restore it. They, begin to, they didn't just confess. And say, okay, they began to act to restore what they've stolen, to mend what they have. They, 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 they repented. They did something about it. And the Holy Spirit started to pour out, and thousands of people got saved. Now, this was mostly, at the time, it was the Presbyterian Church in Pyongyang. This is known as Pyongyang Revival. Google it. There's all sorts of videos on YouTube that I've been watching all week. I'm like, oh, wow, tell me more. So interesting. But let me read this. Let me get, get, can, can I get the worship team to come up? We're going to close soon. And I just want to read this and tell one last story, and then we're going to close. 
I want you to be hungry for something you've never experienced before. I want you to know that there's more. I don't want you to be satisfied with life as is. Amen? Amen, amen. Let me uh, read this excerpt that I read, and I just thought it was just, just great. As I read, if you guys can start playing, that'd be great. But a vast harmony of sound and spirit, a mingling together of souls moved by an irresistible impulse of prayer. The prayer sounded to me like the falling of many waters, an ocean of prayer beating against God's throne. This is what the prayer sounded. It was not many, but one, born of one spirit, lifted to one Father above, just as on the day of Pentecost. God is not always in the whirlwind, neither does he always speak in the still small voice. He came to us at Pyongyang that night with the sound of weeping. As the prayer continued, a spirit of heaviness and sorrow for sin came down upon the audience. Over on one side, someone began to weep, and in the, whole, in the moment, the whole audience was weeping. Man after man would rise, confess his sins, break down and weep, and then throw himself to the floor and beat the floor with his fist in perfect agony of conviction. My own cook tried to make a confession, but broke down in the midst of it and cried to me across the room, Pastor, tell me, is there any hope for me? Can I be forgiven? and threw himself to the floor and wept and wept and almost screamed in agony. Sometimes after a confession, the whole audience would break out in audible prayer, and the effect of that audience of hundreds of men praying together in audible prayer was something indescribable. Again, after another confession, they would break out in uncontrollable weeping, and we would all weep. We could not help it. And so the meeting went on until 2 a.m. with confession and weeping and praying. It's a long meeting, right, at 2 a.m.? That's a long meeting. That countdown clock would be broken by then. This revival in Pyongyang, it was, it was marked by repentance and it was marked by the spirit of intercession. Like, there was this crazy prayer. It had such a profound effect that Korea, the spread of Christianity in Korea is known not as the work of missionaries. Yes, there were missionaries, but most of the spread of Christianity in Korea was spread by Koreans. Not by foreign missionaries. The foreign missionaries came, they gave the message, but the Koreans took it and ran. Like, the, they really, they were apostolic. The leaders of the churches were Korean leaders. This movement forever, it, it changed everything. It changed it so much that, how many of you guys know that the biggest church in the world, guess where it is? Korea. Right? The pastor of that church passed away last month. This, the, the, 
the impact of this revival was, was so much that even today in Korean churches, they have like 5 a.m. prayer. I think it's 5 a.m. Anyone ever been to one of those? Korean, my friend? No? To this day, I'm sorry. <laughs> They've been to, to this day, if you go to a Korean church, most of them have like you, before work, the, the elders of the church would show up and they would pray. The impact was so much that when I first started working at a Chinese church and it was in a prayer meeting and they're like, how should we pray today? Someone said Korean style. Anyone ever heard of Korean style? I didn't know it was a style. I'm like, what's Korean style? This is interesting. I'm like, all right, let's do Korean style. And they all start praying at the same time. I'm like, you mean normal? You mean biblical? Koreans? That's what I thought. Oh, you mean that's how, that's normal. I didn't know that Koreans could just take that and call it their own. They prayed. Everyone at the same time. I'm like, that's how I learned to pray. Everyone just prayed at the same time. And then some of us in tongues would be like, I remember my first prayer meeting. I remember my first prayer meeting that my friends told me I couldn't go to because I just got saved. And like, we do spiritual warfare. You can't go. You're a baby Christian. But I wanted to experience something I'd never experienced before. I said, I'm going. So I, they're all right, but it's dangerous. <laughs> they were baby Christians too. They just didn't know. So I went and I showed up. And they're like, all right, everyone, go go to your own corner and pray. I'm like, okay. So we all went to our own corner. And I just, I didn't know what to do. I just kneeled, knelt down. I'm like, Lord, Lord Jesus, here I am before you. And then all of a sudden, everyone in the room started screaming in tongues. I came from a church called Pentecostal Deliverance Church. It was a direct offshoot of Azusa. No, it wasn't. It was Filipino dudes. They all began to just scream in tongues. I'm like, oh, that's how you pray? Okay. And I joined them. And what happened when I joined them, when I began to pray in tongues in my own place, I found a flow. It was weird. I found a flow. There was a flow that everyone had connected to in the spirit. And I found this flow, and we started flowing in prayer. And then no one said, okay, it's time to stop the, the flow. Just We just, at the same time, we were, on the, we were on the same stream. I've been in prayers with people where, where we find, a, we're both praying in tongues, and there's a flow of, that we both catch, and we start groaning together. But it's not like we're, I'm not trying, it just happened. There's, there are flows in the spirit, the river, it's a river. It's a river. And when I was done with the prayer meeting, or we, then we're like, or now we're going to go and pray for everyone together. And so we all held hands. That's how we did it in a big circle. And the, the head pastor would have said, you pray for the this, you pray. And we all, ah, Korean style back then. For me, it was Filipino style because they're all Filipino. Really, it's biblical. Just at one voice, we'd all just pray. And one person would lead out for whatever the, that was. And we'd all agree. And we'd say, yes, and amen. And get them, God, and go off in tongues. It was powerful, powerful. That's how I learned, that's how I learned to pray. Powerful times. When I was in Bible college, last story I promise. My pastor did this whole series about praying in tongues. He called it varieties of tongues. There's different types of tongues. There's 
tongues for interpretation that you need to interpret it's a message to someone he goes he goes there's tongues of inner intercession he would tell stories about different types of tongues he goes let me show you and he grabs a chair and he kneels down on this and i'm not going to do it because it was weird and i'm weird but not that weird and he kneeled down on this chair and he began to pray in tongues for what seemed like 10 minutes, but really probably was like three or five minutes, because it's weird when everyone's just sitting there watching one man pray in tongues. He's like, watch me. And he's like, like going off deep, right? Deep these, and we're just like, what the? We're just standing there watching him. And he just prays for probably really, in reality, three or five minutes, but it seemed like forever, because. You know, it's like you watch something and you're like, okay, okay. Oh, he's still going? It's like, oh, okay. Whoa, he's still going? It's like that. And then he gets up after three or five minutes, which seemed like 10, who, it could have been 10, I don't know, it was so long ago. And he goes, worship team, get up. And he goes, let's, everyone, let's just worship. And then, and then I remember the worship team started singing and I lifted my hands and the wind of God. And I was like, oh, I was like, what's happening? This is great. We worshiped and it was glorious. We worshiped in his glory. We worshiped in his presence. And when he went to close the service, he said, that, he said this is what he said. He goes, what you just experienced right there? It's because I knelt and prayed in tongues. He goes, when we pray, God moves. And I'll never forget that. I say this is because I, I want revival. And I believe we need to have prayer meetings. And I, I'm not here. I'm just preaching, guys. I'm just preaching. I'm not here to start prayer meetings or start. We need prayer meetings beyond Zoom prayer meetings. I'm tired of Zoom. I am. Can I be honest? I'm like in my underwear. You guys don't know it. In those prayer meetings, I'm in my underwear. I just have a nice shirt on. My dog's there on my lap. One time I took a shower. <laughs> I'm trying to uh, bring revival by confessing my sins. We need unorderly prayer meetings. We need people, let's just show up and pray to God. And I'm not, not, we're not searching for a feeling or a goosebump, but we show up because we just believe that God is going to move whether I feel it or not. I'm not waiting for revival. I'm here, I'm preaching the gospel and I'm praying for revival, but I'm not gonna wait to move. I'm, I did a teaching on revival because I want us to be hungry for a move of God, but I'm not waiting, I'm just gonna go. I don't have time to wait, I'm just gonna go. Because you know, some revivals are community, some are city, but some are personal. There are revivals that just happen to a person or a small group. I'll take what I can get, but I'm just gonna go and do. We need weird prayer meetings. 
Pastor Crock, do you have a scripture for the weird stuff? Do you, everybody wants a scripture. What's good? We need the scripture. Do you have a scripture for the falling out? Do you have a scripture for the gold dust? Do you have a, do you have the scripture for people screaming and running around and God doing? I do. Let me read it to you. It's a great one. Acts 19, 11. God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul. There it is. Unusual. Unusual. Weird. Weird. God did weird things. Weird to us. If you read the Bible, it's just weird. I always talk about Jesus. Remember when he spit on someone? Come on, that's weird. If someone did that today, I'd be like, avoid that person. I'd be like, all right, we're going to have to have a meeting with that person. I'd call them, hey, let's meet with them. They're spitting on people. I'm not here to say, let's be weird to be weird, but there's the fruit when, when it's... Anyways, let's pray. Let's pray. Right, please stand. And I'm going to ask that today you begin to pray to experience God as you've never experienced him before. It's a biblical prayer. It's the prayer that Habakkuk, Habakkuk prayed. Let us not be so prideful to think that everything we know of Christianity, we've already experienced, we've already learned. But let us be humble enough to believe that there is more of God and that there's more that we can have. That's a good place to say amen. Amen. I need God. I need him. Hallelujah. Let's just begin to pray. We'll close soon. But let's just begin to pray. Father, we just begin to pray. I just want you Korean style, everybody. Just begin to lift up your voice like a Korean. Father, we just begin to pray and we ask you for more. Father, we know our needs. But we don't know everyone else's needs, but you do know everyone else's needs. And so, God, I pray that you just begin to meet the need. I pray where repentance is needed, you'd give grace and give us repentance. Lord, I pray if we've wronged somebody, I pray that you'd give us strength to right it. We just want more of you, Lord. We want more of you in our lives. We want more fire in our hearts. We want more of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we welcome you in this room. We welcome you in this room. Come on, Chinese Koreans. Just begin to lift up your voice to the Lord. Come on, right where you are. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for a move of your spirit. Lord, I pray that you do something that we cannot control. Lord, I pray that you do something to move us all closer to your tenderness. Lord, I pray that you do something that would break off all mindsets of competition and all mindsets of 
trying to, to be enough. Because we're not enough, but you're enough. Lord, I pray that you break any spirit of division. I pray that you bring true unity, that we would know that we're in this together, that everyone has a road that they're walking and it's similar to our road and we're in this to help them on their road, that there's no condemnation nor judgment, but tenderness and freedom. Lord, bring us to that place where we don't have to put up a facade that everything is okay, or we don't have to put up a facade that we're so spiritual, Lord God. Because true spirituality, Lord, is knowing that we are in need, that we are in need of you, Lord God, that we all have been wretched, that none of us are enough, Lord, that no one is better than anyone else, Lord. No one has a higher station, Lord, but we all kneel before the throne room of God. We're in it together, Lord God. We are all in need. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I thank you for the rumblings that have already, already begun. I thank you for the, the, the cloud, the size of the hand of a man. Lord, I thank you that it has already begun. worship and as we worship I want to encourage you to open up open your heart bare before the Lord to let him in to take down your defenses before God and let him in as we worship the Lord